welcome young warriors and old ones. We're going to be talking about issue three of the Masters of the Universe UK comics published in March 1986 by London Editions on Fans of Power. That was nice. That was relaxed. I love it. That was yeah, cool. I, I feel like go. everyone needs to go get their binky and their blanket. And we're all just gonna we'll just let we'll just let Aiden read every panel to us. Yeah, we all get our cots and our favorite pillow. We all you know, Aiden just like the go to sleep to the voice of Aiden there. I like those calls. But thanks for joining us, Aiden. And for those who don't know who you are, because you've done stuff to the Masters of the Universe community, you can maybe let people know, you know, like what you've done, how long you've been around and Go ahead and do a little intro on yourself. I've been around since uh, the summer of 1998, if I remember correctly. Way back on the old Guardians of Grey School mailing list. Um, and back then I set up uh, a site of my own called Mosquitoes He-Man Realm. I remember that page. Exactly, yeah. It was, it was the first... Um, it was the first master's site to have a full list of descriptions of all 130 episodes on it. Um, and uh, I got got a lot of hits, uh, went down well with, uh, with the fan base. And then uh, um, and nowadays I, I um, have worked on a few of the Dark Horse books and I run the Master of the Universe UK Comics fan site. The official, well, the the official fan site for the uh, London Editions UK comics. And how did you get involved with uh, interviewing so many people that worked on those comics? Because I mean, I think you're the only person I've ever known that's talked with the people that were involved. But how did that come about? Well, I'm fortunate in that I live in the same neck of the woods as uh, as the UK comics writers. Um, the comics were written and published in Manchester. Um, I grew up in Chester, not all that far from Manchester, and then uh, moved to Manchester when I was 18, and I still live uh, just a stone's throw from there now. Um, and uh, most of the old writing staff that still based around Manchester and the surrounding area. So um, it was when... Um, I think uh, first first member of the fan community I know of to talk to any of the UK writers was uh, Yukari Sakainen. He um, he scored an interview with Mike Wilde somehow, who um, who wrote a few stories in the comic, and um, and Mike filled him in on um, exactly who the main staff were, and was the first person to put us a name behind the character of Scrolloss, saying it, it was uh, Brian Clark who was uh, the editor and the main writer. And so um, so I got um, I got Mike Wilde's email from Yucca and I emailed Mike Wilde uh, and he put me in touch with Brian Clark who um, uh, I emailed Brian, he got back to me and uh, we uh, straight away pretty much we arranged a meet up uh, in manchester we met up over over coffee and i did a full interview with him um 
and I knew right away I've got to do something big with this because I mean this was I mean this was about um, several months after I'd written all the um, the bios for the Dark Horse Master of the Universe Encyclopedia and when I was doing that I was thinking we've got to pay some serious tribute to the UK comics show the writing team that their work still has a fan base not only in the UK but worldwide that people still love and read these comics um and because the, the thing about the uk canon it's it's in so much more depth than just about any masters canon was in the 80s um covered the entire story of masters right through to the new adventures i know i know technically the new adventures comics were reprints of the a harper but they rewrote them to match mm. the uk canon so um so it was pretty much the full story told right there which no other single medium had, until masters classics had done and so i was just like we've got to really show these guys some respect and um so it was not long after that that i um got in touch with mike wilde and then with uh with brian clark and so after i'd done my interview with brian i i um we arranged to meet up in, in Manchester and I was not entirely sure what to expect. I thought maybe he'd think, oh, this this was just a, a job I did 30 years ago. hardly remember anything about it. But no, Brian remembered everything. He, oh, he was good. full of love for Master of the Universe, full um, recollections of the stories he wrote. And uh, it was just amazing to talk about the comics, the stories in that much detail uh, these stories I'd grown up with, technically, with the guy who, who wrote them, with uh, Scrollos himself. And um, and so af- after that, I was like, so what do I do with... I've got the got the interview, I've transcribed it, so what do I do next? I thought, uh, do I put together a blog? And uh, it, w- it was James Etock, actually, who said to me, no, don't do a blog, do a website. Okay. Too many people just do a blog these days, but... Like in the old days, when we, we want a full website for this sort of thing. So I thought, why not? And uh, and I, I set to work building the Master of the Universe UK Comics fan site. And uh, and uh, the site finally went live in, uh, I think it was something like May 2017. Uh, so it, it's been live five years now. Um, it's been quite the last few months, but I'm hoping to pick up action again soon. But in that time, I've reviewed, um, I think, nearly all the Shira comics. Got just one, just two or three more of those to go, and re- reviewed up to twenty issue twenty three of the Masters comics, and uh, done interviews with uh, Brian Clark and James Hill. So, and did you um, hit some of the artists too? The people that drew that? Were you able to speak with any the, of them? The, or the crew who are um, responsible for um, for being in touch with the artists are um, the guys behind the um, the Spanish Masters book. I would say the name, but I'm sorry, my, my Spanish is useless, so I couldn't, couldn't possibly pronounce it. But um, uh, but the, the Spanish guys they they tra- they were the ones who traced the the old artists from uh, uh, Seleccionis uh, Illustradas, whatever the company's name was that did the artwork for the uk comics and so they they tracked down the artwork and um they hooked up 
with the artists um, uh, sort of two years ago now, I think, posted the pictures of the actual artists, put faces to their names on them. Um, and I believe they have interviewed the artists, um, but I, I'm, I'm not entirely sure where things are at with the Spanish Masters project. Uh, so I, if, I mean, if any of the guys from that are watching this, feel free to uh, drop me a message and, and bring me up to speed because um, it would be good to um, interview those artists for, for the UK site at some point. Okay. And I was going to say, I know there's something maybe you can't answer. I mean, if, you know, if you can't, you don't have to say nothing, but has, you know, with you having the connections and doing stuff with Dark Horse, was there any mention of trying to possibly ever get these UK comics into a nice big Dark Horse volumes, a couple of those? or It's been talked about. Um, Val Staples and I talked about it way back when we were still working on um, on the character guide. Um, and uh, at the time, I think uh, Dark Horse intended the character guide to be the last Masters book they published. But... Uh, it sold so well they realized there was more to it and that's when they decided to do some more and when the toy guide got greenlit um and i don't know if they have any plans right now to do a uk comics um compendium but i can say as much as this they they do know about the fan interest for one you know it's it's a project that has been that been talked about they've, they've entertained the idea of it and they know that there is fan demand for one, so it's just a matter of whether they... Because um, there's so many UK comics, it would take up about two or three volumes. I think yeah, that's there'd be main, a lot of volume as I was thinking yeah, about. I, mean, yeah, I think that's should... the main awkwardness. I think that's the main reason it hasn't been um, seriously um, greenlit yet. But uh, like I said, they, they, are, um, they are aware of the fan demand, so fingers crossed somewhere down the line, uh, the idea might get greenlit. Well, hopefully it would be something they would do because, you know, just reading issue three for the first time, I was like, I really enjoyed issue three, but I know that we're all experiencing this for like the first time. Whereas you, you grew up with this. And I was wondering, like when you were reading this as a kid, were you under the assumption that basically these stories were everywhere in the world? Like even in the United States, people were probably reading the same thing you were reading or did you know that was exclusively for you? I don't think I ever thought that. I think I think I always knew it was purely uk based i think because um i mean uh, even as a kid i saw the address i saw like egmont house great juicy street manchester i wrote so many letters to them eventually got printed um but um so i knew well, it was... i guess i mean not to interrupt but i guess um story-wise like how you know like even though you guys had these you know stories that were yes for you but like maybe some of the character bios and backgrounds you know did you know that that was kind of stuff that only you guys were really experiencing. And then the United States, we weren't getting stuff for Rio Blast and, you know, characters like that. I, I knew it was exclusive to the UK. And, I mean, there were certain UK-isms in the comics sometimes. They'd use, um, the characters would use um, dialogue and stuff that, that was very uh, sort of dis, sort of um, particular to the UK. And, I mean, there's one uh, there's one issue where Spycor uh, calls a kid... Uh, uh, young scouser uh that word is not going to mean anything to you but in the uk scouser is uh is uh, slang for someone from liverpool uh so um oh, and this okay, was yeah. like in a football uh, it, it was again that's another uk ism it was a football themed story they called it kickball in the uk comics 
which is Brian Clark's. That's that's what he calls the game of football anyway. But uh, only a UK uh, canon, only a UK medium could possibly have uh, the Master of the Universe characters playing football. So, uh, <laughs> right. I, I always knew it was. Um, I always knew these comics were very much exclusive to the UK. I had next to no. I knew there were comics in. Um, in the states but i never knew uh, anything about them other than that they existed pretty much um but i i always knew uh, london editions th- these comics were exclusive to uh the uk they published loads of um comics for multiple different franchises that were popular here um so Did you guys get uh, uh, any thunder you got thundercats too right if i'm not mistaken um uh, we i i can't remember if that was london editions or not i mean i know the worth on the cats comics but I, I never had any because i was i was never as big uh, into them as uh, uh, as with masters but we definitely had uh thundercats comics in the uk okay well i'm gonna pass some stuff to nathan and to everybody else so i'll quit rambling <laughs> and uh go ahead Nathan, what the hell? What, what, what do you want me to say? Like <laughs> the questions that you've already started asking him are just like the things that were already coming to mind anyway. I hate how you're just like, oh, all right, Nathan, go. Oh, what, what, what do you got? I don't know. I don't know. Thanks, Joe. Appreciate it. No problem. Oh, I'm good at that. I legit don't know what to say. <laughs> okay, no, I don't know if you want to pick his brain on anything. That's all. If you don't, that's fine. I'll go back to some, some more picking. But have you... Now, you spoke of Princess of Power and Masters of the Universe, but have you started touching on any of the New Adventures comics at all? Well, the New Adventures comics, they came in, uh, in 1989, and the New Adventures comics started... Uh, way before the um the tv show and over here um and only just as the action figures were starting to appear in shops over here so the uk comics were pretty much my introduction to the new adventures um i mean by this time um they were reprinting the german a harper comics so all the new adventures comics were reprints of the german ones um, I, I didn't know that at the time, uh, but um, my introduction to the new adventures was the UK comics. And I, although, although like many Masters fans, I was a bit disappointed uh, that they were that they'd scrapped all the Master of the Universe characters and settings, other than He-Man and Skeletor, because I kind of thought. Like even Castle Grayskull, even Man at Arms, everyone. But but still, the the, the the stories were just so good that I I accepted the um, I accepted the new um, incarnation of He-Man uh, non hesitantly because I love these stories and um, I, I obviously I obviously hoped at the time there would be a cartoon of them and when the jet lag. New Adventures series started here, uh, which had um, the pilot were or the the movie length uh, pilot. I think it was the first five episodes. Uh, See together showed in the UK on Christmas Eve, nineteen ninety, and I, I remember I was massively disappointed with when I watched it because it was nothing like the UK comics. Um, it was nothing like their version of the new adventures, and I'd been expecting pretty much what 
I got in the comics. And that was kind of when my general interest in He-Man sort of temporarily started started to wane um, after, after that series started, uh, because, of course, the comics had finished by that point. But um, but I, I always, to this day, will maintain the, um, the uh, UK or the German UK collaboration version of the new adventures is uh, to my mind, the best version of, um, of that, of that incarnation of the masters mythos. And it's always different how somebody has their first introduction because yeah, here it was, well, it was the cartoon and the toys. You had the comics first and it makes you wonder though, if like, you know, we had the comics here first, if, Maybe people would have wanted to gravitate to the cartoon more because the cartoon was either a hit or a miss. Some people absolutely loved it and no questions asked. They went right into it. Some just didn't like it at all. But yeah, I didn't know that you guys experienced the comics before the cartoon. So I guess you had a different reason for kind of not liking it. But did you come along or come around to liking the cartoon or are you still in Eventually, because um, I mean, I mean, I, I, although I didn't particularly like it, I would still watch it when I was on because when it was on because it was He-Man more or less uh the, the new adventures cartoon actually continued airing in the uk for quite some years after masters had faded out of um the general public's minds um it, it was still showing um on on itv in the uk as late as 1995 so i, I would always be sure to watch it and uh, um and then when the um, like online fan community started and uh, we started to scavenge the old Masters episodes, tra- tape trade, collect them and rescue these, uh, these old cartoons from obscurity, uh, several people then, um, James E. Top for one, uh, insisted to me, no, honest, I'm telling you, The New Adventures is... is a pretty good series in its own right so eventually i became convinced to give it another chance and and sure enough i'm i warm to it i thought it, as long as you don't compare it too heavily to masters it's, it's a decent uh, sci-fi cartoon in its own right okay and i was going to say before we get into the main discussion at least i know you want to tell your story of why this issue that we're going to be talking about issue three meant so much to you um if you want to go ahead with that it was the first issue of um of the uk comics i ever bought so it was it was my first ever masters comic um what happened i i mean i remember sitting at the table in um in the living room um where we lived at the time and suddenly hearing on the tv masters of the universe comic it was a tv commercial there was the one tv commercial for the comic that showed on uk tv and i only ever saw the commercial or i should say heard it really that once um the the commercial has since uh, resurfaced i think it's on youtube somewhere oh you can find that oh i'll have to look yes for it. if if um yeah if you haven't seen it i'll dig it out i i did post when it resurfaced i did post it on um on the uk comics facebook page but it's only got like one or two likes so i don't know if that many people actually saw it i know James Etolt hadn't even been aware that there was TV advertising for the comic. And I, I only knew because I happened to hear about the comic through that one commercial that one time. Um, and so I started uh, pestering my mum saying, 
there's been an advert on telly for a Master of the Universe comic. And so when we went out shopping, we uh, looked around for one and then eventually we saw it and it was issue three. Um, and so, and I've got it here, um, very old copy, lost its cover, but this is... Um, it's pretty cool to have it though still. My first ever, um, my first ever Master of the Universe comic. Yeah, we never had commercials for the comics for, you know, the Star Marvel ones. So I just found it fascinating. It was like, wow, an advertisement for the actual comic on TV. Well, they, yeah, did, uh, they didn't really do comic commercials around here anyway. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember stuff like, like that. Per- like, period. I don't remember commercials yeah. for any kind of comics around here back in the day. There there were. We just we, we were too young when, when they advertised them. Oh, okay. I was just used to, like, the... Uh, just seeing the advertisements <laughs> and other comic books, most, like yeah. with video game ads and movie ads and stuff like that. But yeah, I don't remember any spots for any of that stuff. So did you go trying to find like issue one and two after that? Like, could you go to a comic shop? Oh, and God, yeah. Um, I mean, it, it was a common question on the letters page. Scrolloss was always answering letters from readers saying, uh, I'm missing such and such an issue. Can you help me find them? And uh, uh, quite a lot miss you one uh going from the letters they printed and uh, i mean to this date i still don't have issue one but um issue two i eventually got um must have been a year or two later from uh um some from some service um that was selling back issues so i managed to get hold of that um and issue, issue one i never got hold of a physical copy and only finally got around to reading it 10 years later when um when they put the comics on hemans.org. I had to be pretty cool though to keep going. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. I'd, I'd said it all really, but uh, there, there were only a small number of issues that I missed as a kid. So uh, while while I've lost a few issues, I have a, a very near complete collection of the comics now. Okay. Well, I was gonna say if you want, we could start digging into issue three, and you could start off when we could start hit first story and. Give our thoughts back and forth on it. This I enjoyed this issue, but we can go ahead. So, uh, so we start. We start with the story "Man at Arms Traitor." Um, now, I, I don't know if you've uh, I don't know if you've reread my uh, review of this story on um, on the UK Comics fan site. Um, I, I pretty much raved about this story in the. Um, in the review on on the fan site because it's uh it's a very distinctive one um in that it's um it's actually got quite a complex plot and just excuse me a minute i'm going to turn the light on here because give me a second that's better um uh, can read it now it's um It, it's a complex plot for a kid's comic. Uh, basically, the storyline is um, Skeletor, um, Skeletor captures Man-at-Arms uh, and brainwashes him um, into serving evil um, and commands Man-at-Arms to build a new super weapon for used by the evil warriors um and although um man at arms goes ahead um 
completes the weapon, the evil warriors mount an attack on um, on the royal palace with it. Um, and it looks like well, Man at Arms knows their weaknesses better than anyone else. So sure enough, sure enough uh, the heroic warriors are fucked. But uh, then at the end, there's a major twist in that it turns out that um, Man at Arms has actually just been playing along. Um, and not only that, but he and He-Man have worked out the entire thing together. They've anticipated all the villains' moves in advance. They've been alerted years, ago, weeks ago, by Buzzoff that uh, yeah, Skeletor cool, yeah. um, was working to build a new super weapon. So um, they made it common knowledge that Prince Adam and Man at Arms would be in the royal woods on a certain day, because um, they knew that Skeletor would take the advantage of sending one of his men to attack them, and. Um, Although Man at Arms was temporarily put under a brainwashing spell, it turns out he was immediately freed from it by He-Man and they worked out what to do from there. So Man at Arms would play along, create the weapon, but manufactured it so that it backfired on, on the evil warriors when the attack was mounted. And all that in a five-page story. <laughs> right. It was it's, a good plot uh, twist. I did like that. And was this a different artist from issue two or the others? Because it seemed like it stood out more to me for some reason with this art. It, or... It's actually the, the it's the same the same artist. It's um, Jose Maria um, Ortiz Tafala, who was actually the main artist on um, on the Masters comics. He um, he drew nearly all of the covers up to a certain point. And, um, Same colors, too, by chance? Would you know, just for some reason, this stood out more than the other issue, or at least from issue two. I don't know if he was just able to fine-tune his, you know, skills on drawing these, you know, characters. I, th I think but... it was fine-tuning. I think, I, think, oh. I think he was getting used to drawing the characters and their world uh, uh, three issues in. Uh, I mean, um, Neil Duckmanton has commented on, on one of the adverts for this um for this podcast on on Facebook, has said um, this issue was particularly exquisite in terms of colours, and um, so I think I can I think we can say issue three was the one where the Spanish artists really came into their own, really found their style, because um, the first two stories are by um, have been drawn by Tafala, and then the third one has been done by Amador Garcia, who had a very distinctive style. His style of shading uh it's yeah. amazing but um yeah so um so to follow was uh he drew the man at arms traitor story well i definitely i, I love the look of it like i said the highlights the oh, tones yeah. is shady yeah it just it really popped but i did like that you know twist at the end too when you seen it like they knew all along and with the whole thing with the quicksand and how everything was set up i it was it was a pretty good story. I mean, I enjoyed all three, but I did really enjoy this one. It's a complicated one. I mean, as as a young kid, because I, I was only four when uh, I got this comic, I don't think I really fully understood this story until a few years later when I had to pay real attention and had to work it out. Um, uh, I mean, it's got the whole moral. It's like it shows how important mathematics can be, even in the fight against Skeletor. So that's He-Man's way of saying, learn maths at school, kids. <laughs> You'll, you'll defeat the forces of evil with mathematics. Don't grow um, up to be dumb like Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an idiot. 
Yeah, that, that's why you uh, in a, in the states lost out by by not having. <laughs> if only, yeah, if only we would have had that here in the states, maybe there there would be smarter people in the country right now. <laughs> so, um, so um, it, it's uh, and and also it's it's a story that can only have been written by Brian Clark because he um, he approached these comics thinking, well, Mattel won't let him use much physical violence he can't kill or uh or really hurt any of the characters so he he thought what he would do would be approach the stories from a thinking based standpoint and and uh have he-man come up with a thinking based solution to most of uh to most of the evil schemes he came up against and whenever possible he tried to put in a plot twist and this story is a perfect example of um of one of those and especially for just a five six page story whatever it is it's uh pretty impressive it shows the uk comics were very much um uh, their own canon there was no other that was quite like them really yeah, and I like that there's always different heroic warriors and evil warriors in each story. It's like a variety. We're not just getting shown the same characters in all three stories or constantly in all the issues. They at least mix it up, and I like how... Now, is that was that Brian's idea to introduce like that kind of new vehicle that Trapjaw was on? That I like seeing different things, too, in these things. Yeah, I, I, could, I might, might have to ask him about that one, actually, the, the disc flyer, because you, you'd think most... Um... I mean, you'd think they might have used a toy vehicle, have, just had trapped your flyer rotor on or something. So I'll, I'll ask Brian about that, actually. Um, they would occasionally do that, um, come up with original vehicles. Uh, and also, I mean, there's a few um, a few quirks in this story in that um, you'll see um, the artist on in some panels, rather than using the, um, the villains from the toy line, he's drawn generic... Uh, sort of orc goblin type warriors yeah the there back. was one in that one story i can't remember which one if it was the last one there was a creature i was like wait is that supposed to be um whiplash web store yeah because uh, yeah because yeah, amador garcia does that in the art for undersea attack as well puts in um uh, makes up his own characters uh, uh which is kind of a, a nice interesting quirk in these yeah um, and another another quirk that actually recurs in a few uh, of these early issues, you see the evil warriors actually uh, they've got a bowl of fruit on the on the table in Snake Mountain. I never so, paid attention. Uh, oh, okay. The evil warriors uh, eat snack on apples, oranges, and cakes and so on. Uh, I, just, I just assume Skeletor was encouraging his warriors to eat healthily to okay, okay. keep up with Master. It's like put away the junk food, trap jaw. <laughs> Snake Mountain is a healthy eating. <laughs> and though a merman for some reason is um, his whole face has been coloured yellow, mistake by the oh, colour, yeah. or or merman was just struck down with yellow fever. <laughs> <laughs> I like that they used the the yellow skin and a blue outfit for Evil Lynn because that's my favourite look of hers. Yeah, e- Evil Lynn. Um, she was drawn with a particularly toy faithful look, and I think uh, Jose Tafala always did a particularly impressive dr- job drawing Evil Lynn. I found, yeah. and he'd often add a cape to her as well. She'd be wearing a red cape 
with our regular outfit. I like the cape on her. I'm, what? I'm curious what uh, Tyler thinks of this story because I know he's a big stickler for storytelling in any form when it comes to masters, and I know that he's completely new to the UK comics. So I'm I'm really curious because he he's got that uh, look on his face and the way he's holding his face. He, it's almost like he wants to. I don't know. He almost looks like he's about to explode with anger, but that that may not be the no, case. No, okay. it's not the case. No. <laughs> okay. No, there's nothing offensive in, in any of these stories. Okay. I was just yeah, asking. No. You just, you just look really uh, angry. No, that's that's fuck. I have that angry face. Well, I guess I'm I, just sitting. I'm just sitting here looking like I'm, I'm. Well, so yesterday Tyler and I went, and actually uh, Rebecca and John also, but they they went in costume. They played the G.I. Joe movie for, like, one showing yesterday, 35th anniversary. So Tyler's sitting there, and occasionally I would just kind of turn and look just to see how he's reacting. Of course, I know he loves the movie, but at one point, he's just sitting there looking much like that, just very stone-faced, and I'm like, "Uh, is something making him mad right now? I'm like, (laughs) no one's talking. No one's saying anything. Uh Maybe he's hearing something I'm not, but no, oh, yeah, I guess you just have that that resting yeah. bitch face or something. Yeah, you just you were just paranoid. Um, this it, is like a, a relaxed, you know, I'm in deep in thought pose, you know. Okay. Well, what are you yeah. in deep in thought about? Like, well, no, how, well how, I'm how, not really how, thinking about anything. I'm just listening. I'm listening. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm, it's, it's, Me too. I'm, just saying, I'm, I'm fascinated it, just hearing his story about the UK and how it. Yeah, yeah. Different so, was. I'm, I'm yeah. giving Gaiden the, the the spotlight here, so. Yeah, I'm just listening to everything he's got to say about the story and everything. I mean, at least I, d- I just want to sculpt Tyler in the thinking post. Oh, don't do that, please. I'll be more than happy to. <laughs> no, you know, and I'll, I'll set aside some time there. Nathan, you can take proper pictures and everything. We'll get into Rebecca. And... Uh, <laughs> uh, no thanks. Well, fine but, then. You don't but, get the role. I mean, hey, at least Joe didn't put you guys on the spot like he did me. Hey, anything you want to say to Aiden? I'm like, oh, I'm just here to like listen to what he has to say, man. What are you doing? I'm kind of like I said, I'm the same way. I was well, just Joe, Joe is no Barbara Walters, but just put it that way, you know. <laughs> yeah, I try. No, but I've been wanting to hear all the stories too. I just want to hear everything how he experienced it and all the stories for the first time. And of course, I'm going to ramble my thoughts about the stuff too. But no, we can get to the next story into this issue. I mean, then. One, one other thing I'll okay. say about this story before we, before we move on to that is uh, uh, it's worth mentioning the Flash Gordon reference in there where West. Skeletor says he's going to feed man at arms to the ball worms. I don't even pay attention. I don't even pay attention to that. Uh, I'll be honest, on some of the text, I couldn't um, see it. Because quite a lot, uh, one of the quirks of the UK comics, there would often be references to other sci-fi franchises. You name it, uh, there'd be a reference to it somewhere. Uh, They'd say something like, space is the final frontier, or... um, and there's one story in one of the adventure magazines where um, uh, where Skeletor mentions uh, a time traveller who passed this way in his time box. His name was Hartnell, and he was a doctor. Oh, the, oh okay. So, uh, a reference, huh? Yeah, there's all, all throughout the UK comics, there's these little sort of references to other, other sci-fi and fantasy franchises. That's pretty cool. Well, it's cool. All right, well, what is the next story? Because I forgot the order of these, Nathan. I'm an idiot. It's Jewel of Fire. And my uh, the middle pages of my copy of this story are actually missing, though uh, the story did get reprinted in um, in one of the adventure comics. Um, 
so a basic recap of the story a fisherman finds a scroll um washed up on a beach and um and the scroll um reveals the secret of the jewel of fire which could make uh, the finder the most powerful man on eternia um and the fisherman thinks uh, well i better take this to the royal palace it sounds like this jewel of fire could be dangerous if it got into the wrong hands so uh but unfortunately this fisherman has the great misfortune to have triclops spying on him as uh at the point where he found the scroll. And so Triclops uh, mounts a very organic-looking Night Stalker here. Um, it was pretty cool looking. I actually liked the horse. I thought it was different. Yeah, I like it. It's a cool design for the character. Night Stalker, clearly a organic horse and not a robot, um, and takes off to tell Skeletor. But uh, in the meantime, the fisherman reaches the um, royal palace and... Um, and the news the news of the jewel basically reaches the good and bad guys simultaneously who both simultaneously go in search of it and uh, come up against one another um in the jungle uh, and it, it turns out at the end the jewel is itself a missing fragment of castle gray skull and so after he-man has saved the day the jewel is taken back to gray skull to be reunited with its natural power source i like that there was always a twist at least for these and it seemed like others there's always a good twist at the end of each of the stories it seems like i don't know yeah because i was wondering if brian said if that's a thing that was his thing you know of just always doing that but i like that it's like wait that's part of castle grayskull i just thought it was just again just a special artifact that we've seen tons of you know in masters of the universe and you know princess power and, and i yeah it just shocked me like i said that something like that was done yeah, Brian, Brian Clark loved to challenge the reader. He'd, um, he'd always incorporate a, a plot twist where he could. And so there's a lot of surprise endings throughout the comics. Um, oh, so he does like doing that. Okay, okay. Yeah, totally. It's, it's his style. Um, and it's his skill as a writer of kids' comics. He would never, the last thing he's ever going to do is write down to his audience or, or patronize the kids. He, uh, credits them with uh, intelligence and imagination and um and likes to challenge them mentally uh, which is why a lot of the panels they'll say something like can you guess what he-man's plan is or something like that when he's trying to work out uh what he's going to do so the the view the reader is involved in the story that way and brian clark's skill was um he'd intellectually challenge the reader so it's um and at the same time, kind of involve them in the story so they feel part of the story at the same time. And uh, that, with his um, sort of brains not brawn approach to the comics, it means they um, they resonated well with both younger kids and older readers. As the comics were pretty popular with teenagers at the time, and a lot of parents who would read them to their kids would write in saying i found i found i'm a masters of the universe fan too thanks to your comics because uh, oh that's cool they're in, they were genuinely entertaining for all ages i could see that i mean you can honestly see that it does it challenges people of all ages but i i, I think another thing's i even liked i like seeing this like what they did with 
Moss Man and have him camouflaging like in some of those panels you see how each panel he likes blends in. I thought that was a cool little you know, added little bonus feature. I think Yeah, I think I think the um the artist enjoyed doing that with Moss Man. Uh, it's all camouflage. Oh, is that something he continues like throughout other issues? You'll see more of that or Yeah. Oh cool. I think Moss, that... Moss Man was a very regular character in, in these early issues because he uh Cyclone and Roboto were among the newest figures on the shelves at the time, so they, they would often push these characters to the forefront of the comics. I think this was my favorite story of the three because uh, yeah, Tyler Tyler would always talk about how he likes the idea of uh, of Triclops kind of like spying in a distance, and I like that that was used here. I like that you have Moss Man and Cyclone abilities being able to see those but i think one of the uh the things i enjoyed the most too was the variety of creatures and how they say this is the deadliest spider and i like the idea that they mm-hmm. they end up leaving the roton behind and they decide he man they're like oh we'll just we'll take this back and yeah i like that too that would be interesting it's like they take it back to man in arms man in arms is kind of like picking it apart maybe they can take <laughs> something from that to add to something yeah. of theirs to you know kind of counterbalance that in the future for a future battle it's had a lot going on it's like you said with the first story all of this five six pages that's, that's they, the amazing they showcase thing. um the bad guy's powers as well because it's yeah. like they um uh beast man uh has the power over wild animals while cobra khan handles the snakes and that's how the good the good guys are able to work out when Cobra Khan's nearby because they're attacked by reptilians. And so it's like, obviously, Cobra Khan must be commanding them. And there's uh, the dynamic between Skeletor and his henchmen is played out very well here. And because when yeah. uh, he, he overworks them in this story, so that yeah. uh, pushes them to the point that Beastman and Cobra Khan's powers are exhausted. And so they lose their power over the creatures. And when they try to explain to them after, like, we could only do so much. Uh, we we used up all our all our powers, and and, uh, and Skeletor's just like silence. You have failed, and for that you will be punished. So he's a hell of a awful boss to work for. Now I agree with Nathan. This is my favorite one, um, probably because like something Joe pointed out was using different wires. It's not just always men at arms, which it seemed to be in a lot of things, but um. Seeing Cyclone and Mossman, like, right there with He-Man is, is cool. I like seeing different warriors being used, and those are two that I really love, so. They, they really were done very that. well, I think, with uh, yeah. Mossman and Cyclone were given their own kind of distinctive personalities. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Cyclone would often have a bit of a brash, sort of exuberant uh, uh, streak to his character, and I always really liked that version of the, of the character I thought that they did a lot with um, giving each of, of the heroes their own distinct personality and is this something we can expect probably for future issues is always seeing a variety of different creatures as well like we always point out it's like they're always interested in something that's different that we haven't seen it's like there's they always were always an... very imaginative with creatures yeah. I, I, had, I mean I had fun writing the um entries for the creatures actually for the dark horse uh, bios because uh, there were just so many really imaginative do they all have names or did you have oh yeah yeah uh, all of them because along the way you'll meet uh, 
the Lizigator for one. The Lizigator? Okay. Yep. Um, and uh, the um, uh, the the Grolls and uh, all manner of strange creatures. I also like there was like one particular thing because you know there's going to be some smart ass probably like me that where it was like at the end remember when Skeletor you know teleports out but he's you know he made sure to say I couldn't teleport here because you know that the jewel wouldn't allow me to but I can teleport out now so because you know some people be like why don't he just teleport there to begin with he could have got the jewel so for him to say that I guess it shuts up people like me that are smart ass so <laughs> I did like it. <laughs> But no, this was a good one. I did enjoy this. And I guess I, uh, are there any final thoughts you have on this one, uh, Aiden, before we move to the final? Uh, I've said pretty much everything. There's, I mean, there's a, uh, amusing, uh, final panel where the cyclone, uh, I think kind of breaks the fourth wall, um, uh, uh, winks to the, uh, oh, yeah. to the reader or, or something that they'd have little moments like that moments of interaction with the reader that, uh, made the comics stand out yeah okay no i like that because well we got that information remember sometimes adam he-man winks at the Absolutely. screen or something so yeah well because uh, that as a kid that makes you feel like you are a part of what is happening is that you're immersed yeah. enough in the world to begin with but to have them actually speaking to you you're like i, I could see ta- like they're why, talking to why, me it's like why brian clark he'd always say squirrel lost would always say in the editorials welcome young warriors uh so we were all young warriors to our minds at the time as we read it. It was like we we were all made to feel like we were part of the Moss of the Universe storyline. When did Scrollus make his debut anyways? What, what issue did he make his debut? Uh, he, he, right... Right back in issue one, the, the editorials were always signed by Scrollos. Well, I mean, I guess, the, I'm sorry, the ones where, you know, we see him in the... Uh, not until and... much later. I mean, there was the, the, ma- the Master Mail, the um, uh, the letters page, that debuted in about issue five or something. And so that's where Scrollos started to kind of take on a personality as the in-universe medium between the readers and the the master's characters but um and then uh, around uh, i think issue 17 or 18 or something the when they started printing the secret files of scrollos strips yeah, that's when we first see scrollos physically but the artists kept the character shrouded in mystery because you'd only ever see like an arm or a shadow or uh see him from behind just vague hints uh, was that an idea hints. of brian's to make sure to never show him completely or was that that like- was the idea at the time they, they wanted the character to remain sort of enigmatic and they only finally showed his face about three years on from the um from the publication of the first issue um when they began they in to lead up to um to the new adventures comics in 1989 they gave Scrollos his own comic strip, which would begin each issue um, as Scrollos was led on this mystery um, that led him to the Triax star system that would that would uh, build into um, him, him discovering He-Man's new adventures and, and relaying them to the reader in the form of the comic. Um, and that it was in those strips that Scrollos was finally shown um 
in full form to the reader. And so we finally saw his face and he's given a sort of 70s glam rocker look. That's all. <laughs> Uh, so, so Joe, you're essentially just ripping off. Uh, look to him. What you say, Nathan? I, I said so. You're that essentially that's what you're ripping off, right, Joe? Oh, oh I'm ripping off scrolls, but uh, by covering myself up. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that could be. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I'll never reveal my face though. But who cares? Nobody wants to see that. But one other question, Aiden. Now the whole idea of him finally being shown though and drawn. Now I'm curious. Was that? Could that have been something just from Brian, or were fans maybe asking, like in letter section, like, can we ever see Scrollos? I mean, was that like, how did he come to finally appear? Do you know how that happened? The fans had always asked, um, "Will we ever see Scrollos?" Quite a lot of letters on on the letters page would ask him. So the fans letters. maybe is what made him finally happen. I think, I think that was it. It was I, I've, I've not asked Brian though. I can chase it up with him. Um, uh, the, the idea behind finally showing him. I'm sure it was fan service in part, like, well, the, the readers have stayed loyal uh, for three years now. We might as well give them what they want, show them scroll loss. Um, uh, whether, whether, who, who exactly came up with his uh, his image, I'm not entirely sure, but that's that's something I, I can I can chase up, find out who drew those scroll loss strips and, and what the idea was. That'd be cool to know. Okay. All right, well, we'll hit the last part of this uh, issue for the final oh, Before story. we go on to that, I'm just going to... Okay. This competition page here. It's worth mentioning, then, because one of those would appear in nearly every issue. Um, I didn't see that but, the competition page. I didn't see what... Yeah, would be shown the, an image of um, several of, of the um, characters all in a battle scene. Oh, cool. Huh. And the competition would be uh, you can win all of these... Master of the Universe items. All you have to do is write in and tell us what their correct names are. And um, I mean, I remember actually entering that competition and getting up on the day of the deadline, expect, half expecting the toys to come through the letterbox. I, I entered several of these, never won. But uh, oh. the the artwork uh, they used to yeah, they used to um, print for these were was always pretty cool you think um, you could send pictures after the podcast i'd love to see that i, I didn't i all, all all i did was send you guys the stories I, i'm getting that up here now to put on oh, the screen okay. for everybody. that's awesome yeah that's I'll, I'll send it i'll awesome. send it to you guys right now i think orco battle bones jitsu uh roboto too bad well, that's cool now did that's you awesome. oh, one of the question did you say you you've had one of your letters printed in one of those issues I, correct I had, well, I had, the mis I had the fortune of having not just one, but three letters printed. Oh, um, three? <laughs> and I, I got printed, uh, I've been, I'd written to them loads of times, uh, but never got printed. And then I, they finally printed me issue, I always forget if it's issue 68 yeah. or 69, the first one, but uh, yeah. I got Brian to sign my copy of that issue because it was, uh, it seemed, uh, seemed apt since it was uh, the one uh, that, uh, that my name was Princeton, in but uh, uh, I asked the question of how did King Hiss grow snakes in his body and uh, so that got printed in uh, issue 68 and then I had, I had a question in the following issue printed um, I couldn't, couldn't believe it at the time that I'd been that I'd been printing two consecutive issues uh, my second question was why is Grizzlaw so stupid um, <laughs> how old were you when you did that do you remember how uh, old you I would have been six at the time oh, that's great and then, uh, uh, then uh, a year or two after, I had a letter printed in, in the New Adventures comic. Uh, 
uh, about about how funny and weird the character of, of, of the toy for the character of Brack looked. So, uh, uh, so yeah, I was, I was I had. I think there were several other readers who got um, who got in there two or three times. I think I know Neil Duckmanton was one, uh, and he uh, he may be watching now. He he's a regular participant in uh, on the Facebook forums, but uh, yeah, several of us did, did get printed several times. So oh, that is that's awesome. Sixty eight and sixty nine. That's that's. Now nah, I'm not gonna make a comment. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to. You guys know I was biting my tongue. I was like, now nah, I'm not gonna. I've been good this whole. Go ahead, time. Joe. Let, let, let the world know. Sixty nine would have been my it. favorite. It definitely would have. I've been celebrating this shit. But I stop. I, I, <laughs> I like how Aiden's just sitting there, like. <laughs> he's, he's like, what the? Fuck? He knows. But well, you've heard me many times. My brain is. Uh, uh, it's in the gutter. <laughs> Let's get to the last. <laughs> Nice story. So, <laughs> Undersea Attack, um, the one that is uh, drawn by Amador Garcia. Um, in this one, Merman is swimming about the um, the seabed when uh, when he he finds uh, a crack has formed in the rocks and a tunnel has formed um, beneath the ocean that once Merman swims through it, he finds, leads him into the Royal Garden of Eterno City. It was um, like a little fish that helped him, right? A little fish that told him? Yes. Um, he he re- reads the mind of the, of the creature, um, which tells him what he's seen. Uh, yeah, the, the, the fish has swum into... Um, through the tunnel into the royal gardens and reports its findings to uh, to Merman, who goes and relays the news to Skeletor. Um, Skeletor uh, begins to plan his undersea attack on Eternos, and if it succeeds, he will make Merman second in command of his army. Merman is now so close to becoming Skeletor's second in command that he's determined to score another brownie point with his master in the hope of of getting that promotion so he swims back through well he swims through to the royal gardens himself with the intention of capturing prince adam so uh, so he can impress his master by having captured one of the royals themselves uh so prince adam happens to catch a brief glimpse of merman in the pool, um, and Teela tells him, "Don't be so jumpy, Adam. It's only a fish." But Prince Adam, uh, he knows it's no fish, and so sneaks off, sneaks off under the pretense of having a nap, uh, so he can turn into He-Man and investigate. But as he's laying down to have his pseudo nap, Merman chooses that opportunity to strike and captures the prince as uh, as intended. Um, takes him off to Skeletor, where um, they imprison the prince in uh, in a cage while they go and mount their undersea attack. Fortunately, Prince Adam uh, he might uh, he might um, not have his sword of power, but he's still got the brains. And it, it's always a MacGyver brains. moment, right? Did a little MacGyver thing. Yeah, absolutely. It's always brains not brawn in these comics, and so Prince Adam works out a clever way of breaking out of the cage by using his jeweled ring. He wears a ring on his finger 
in this uh, to concentrate the sunlight and use the heat to break through the seaweed that is um, binding the cage together. So he escapes, um, retrieves his sword and makes the run for it. And Skeletor thinks, so. well, the prince was a nice bonus, but not worth de- delaying our victory for. Uh, he'll pose no threat to us, not knowing, of course, there's more to, there's more to Prince Adam than he knows. Prince Adam uh, sneaks off, transforms into He-Man um, and throws a large boulder at the, uh, the submarine that Skeletor's been been putting together to mount the attack with. And, with the strange um, evil warrior that we don't know. Where, yeah, this, um, this strange guy here, uh, this reptilian sea creature type guy who, uh, whatever he is, he does look a bit like Whiplash, sort of, but uh, he's not Whiplash. Um, uh, and he um, alerts Skeletor and Skeletor um, blames Merman for this. He's like, you fool, Merman, because you kidnapped Prince Adam. He-Man followed you and in the process discovered our invasion. So uh, Merman loses uh, his favour with Skeletor. No chance of that promotion. And, um, and He-Man at that point uh, attacks... Um, Defeats Skeletor's, defeats Skeletor's henchmen uh, and gets all of them trapped uh, beneath um, beneath a net in the ground. And uh, what's, it's a neutral web, it's called, the uh, the net he uses to trap them. So special powered web that uh, that traps them underground just as uh, Manatoms and Teela arrive on the scene. Uh, they tell He-Man they've got many more warriors on the way in the Dragon Walker. Um, and that's <laughs> going to take a minute. The, yeah, They'll be there in enough. two days. No. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's exactly what I was thinking. Yeah, uh, <laughs> it's like oh, uh, Skeletor should have thought. Oh, no need to worry. Then they'll take forever to arrive. But uh, Skeletor is scared enough uh, by that to make the run for it. And uh, Webstore, uh, being the master of escape, manages to escape the trap and follows uh, follows his master away. Uh, and those two manage to escape while the others are taken off to uh, face justice, uh, imprisoned in uh, in the royal dungeons, whatever. And He-Man uh, then um, goes to seal the hole to prevent any more similar attacks, so swims to the bottom of the sea, uses the sword of power to seal up the, um, the hole in the bottom of the sea, um, comes back to the surface and... Uh, and Teela's all like, "But where's Prince Adam? I thought he was here." And uh, and he was like, "Oh well, uh, I uh, helped him to escape from Skeletor. Don't worry, I promise you that Prince Adam will return to return us with me." And they have the little uh, sort of Lois Lane moment with Teela right. at the end there. Like this one, um, admittedly, was my least favorite of the three, and it's not that I'm knocking it, saying it was bad. It was, it, it was, it was good, but I don't know. I guess how it started off, maybe it. it, it through me because i was expecting there to be maybe a story or something focusing on what's causing the sea quake slash then the others know it as you know the quakes that are from above how they feel it so i thought like what was causing that but i guess maybe it was just written as simple as just saying okay it's kind of like an earthquake we have here might have cracked open something there you go but i for some reason how it started thought what's causing this and it went in a different direction but it's not knocking it i understand it's just a you know i think that's it yeah it's just like uh yeah planet quakes happen on eternia uh, this one just happened to uh, 
open a hole in the bottom of the sea that enabled this potential attack by Skeletor. I really what like that you... that drawing of He-Man at the end, um, underwater. It's a good about... one, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if you follow the UK Comics fan site, every story I always uh, put together a basic graphic uh, where I choose a particular image that kind of represents the story. And I chose that particular image for the review of, of that story. Yeah, that's a great one. Is there, Aiden, by chance, any time the I Am The Power stops? Because I noticed they kept doing it, you know, on these, in now, the early ones. Yeah, it's uh, fairly early-ish. Um, I can't, can't remember the exact issue or, or whether, whether I've got that far on, on, the, um, on the website reviews yet. But eventually they realized it was i have the power not i am the power because it wasn't just the uk comics that made that mistake the um mm -hmm. the newsletters that came with the masters fan club um that were published by mattel so mattel made the mistake as well uh saying i am the power so i don't know what the whole deal was there mishearing the um the filmation show or something uh, yeah, I was wondering if they were like having some issue. I mean, you know, think of like you know when Adora turns to Shira and says, "I am Shira." So if, if they got confused, and I'm doing He-Man saying, "I am the power," but there was even uh, something in the United States where I seen "I am the power." So it's not like we're guilt-free from having that. I just well, noticed they, they, just... they could have had Shira say, "I have Shira." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have Shira. Oh, there you go. It's like what? <laughs> Yeah, I just didn't know if it was a pet peeve when you guys were reading it too. Like, why does I keep saying I am the power? Why is this? I think, I think, I think as a kid, as I, I think I actually thought it was I am the power because that's. Oh, did what, you? But I think I did at the time because that that's what the the comics and the fan club newsletters said. So who am I to mm -hmm. question that? But I realized not that long after that it was I have the power. Were you experiencing these comics before the filmation cartoon as well? Or? No, um, my, my introduction to He-Man was through the cartoon like it was oh. for the majority of UK kids because the comics didn't come along until 86 and we, we got the show. Um, I mean, the first episode actually premiered in the UK before it did in, uh, in the US. Diamond Ray was right. shown, I think, a few days or something before its first US screening. So uh, I was watching the show when I was as young as two. Uh, it used to scare me at first, and I used to run out of the room because the intro sequence scared me so much. But when, when I finally actually uh, sat and watched a, a full episode... I what scared you about the intro? What was it? Oh, it was, it was just because I was only like two, so this very loud, dark, dramatic-looking cartoon was enough for me at the age of two uh, to find it scary. Um, I, I can see why a kid would find that scary, you know, with the skeleton face like, coming at you and laughing. It's like, that's Exactly. Awesome I would scream from my mum to turn the TV off, and I would always want her to do it before the bit where he transformed, because that bit scared me the most, <laughs> with all the flashing lights and noise. But then one day, she was a bit too late. She was a bit late in coming to turn the TV off, and <laughs> By the time she said, do you want me to switch it off now? I was hooked. And I, I to this day, I don't know what episode it was. I was too young to remember exactly what happened in the episode. So for all I know, it might be an episode that nowadays I think is shit or something. But, <laughs> uh, but uh, so I've no idea what my first episode actually was. But I know I loved it at the time. I was absolutely hooked. 
Um, Don't worry about it. I mean, uh, there was a show I watched that was about a hero that turned into somebody and oh, had it made, shit my... <laughs> you shit your pants in. Yeah. <laughs> I shit my pants with yeah, the girl. Yeah. But uh, once, uh, once I just fell in love with Masters as a kid and began collecting the uh, the, the toys, then uh, then the Ladybird books, and then about three years down the line, after I'd been a fan for quite some time, the UK comics came along, and they wound up becoming uh, probably my favourite canon of all. So you were there from the beginning, though, with the toys then as well, I'm assuming, from when they first, oh, you know... First nearly played. from the beginning. Um, I mean, obviously not from the very early Savage He-Man era, but uh, from 1983, which I say was probably the time when most kids in the UK started started getting into He-Man. So as soon as the show started over here, I, um, I was watching it and... Um, and started collecting the toys because uh, of course it took five years for all 130 episodes to show in the uk um how long did you say five, five years. years it took from 1983 until 1988 for all 130 episodes to show um so we were still getting epi episodes in 1988 uh from season two that were that to us were new episodes because uh, I thought at the time they actually were new. I had no idea these uh, these episodes were three years old and the cartoon had actually ceased. Um, so it kept kept things very new and current for us here. That's pretty cool. I mean, the excitement, how it must have continued, obviously, with these comics as well and all the others that you guys had. It just seems like it had a bigger presence in, in some aspects over there in the UK. In some aspects, yeah, and I think it's possible that Masters might have um, it might have remained popular in the UK slightly longer than it did in the US. I think I know um, I know by 1988, most of my peers at school, the other kids had moved on from from He-Man by that stage and, and got more into other things. But um, and I think because uh, oh, on these shores, uh, I know most US fans say. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles arrived on the scene in 1988 and completely killed Masters. In here, in the UK, we didn't get the Turtles until 1990. Um, so I don't know if that may have allowed Masters to have a slightly longer shelf life over here. I, I don't know, but uh, it, my experience at the time was that uh, I think by the time the movie came out, the I was pretty much the only real big Masters fan that I knew. And um, and not long after that, the real Ghostbusters it was here uh, uh, completely killed Masters, and uh, most most people I knew became obsessed with that. While I stayed loyal to He-Man for quite some time. Beyond the cartoon, what about like the you know the movies, Ghostbusters one and two? Was that pretty popular there in the UK? Oh yeah, Ghostbusters was massive everywhere. Yeah. Oh yeah. Was, uh, when I, when I first saw the first Ghostbusters movie, I was only um, I was only six or so, so I was a bit young to really really get into it. Um, but uh, when I was um, seven or eight, a year or two later, and that bit older, I watched the movie again and proper loved it by that time. Yeah, I was about 20 when I seen Ghostbusters 1, but it, yeah, it was pretty fucking cool. <laughs> no. Oh, bastard. Joe, Joe was 20 when it came out. When it premiered, he saw it in theaters, 20 years old. 
said. Well, for the chat, I will pass it to the chat if you guys have any questions for Aiden, for us, for anything you want at all. And, yeah, I, I didn't acknowledge him. Um, that's okay. I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll get you guys. Two uh, weeks in a week. row? Oh, man. What are they going to do with themselves, Joe? Like, fuck, Joe, when this podcast bastard didn't say nothing to me. Well, last week, like I said, I, I gave my dad a good Father's Day. And, uh, yeah, and so. But, no, I, I wanted to just get to right here discussing. I mean, it's not like I was going to ignore them. They're here. They're, they'll eventually get some questions for uh, Aiden and us. I'm not ignoring those bastards. I love them. Every one of them. Oh, how about I pass it back to you, Nathan? Anything you want to say? <laughs> Shithead? Oh, again? Yeah, I'm going to pass you. Say oh, what, what, what about Tyler? Ty Tyler's barely said anything this entire episode. Hey, about... wait. I did want to ask Tyler one thing. Matt, could you stand up? I want to see that shirt because that really does look fucking cool. I didn't get to see it. Oh, you want me to you want me to show my chest? Is that what you're asking, Joe? Oh God, show your chest, Jesus! <laughs> Fuck, I want to see the it. the packs of power there. Oh come on! That yeah. really God, that's that awesome. Look good. Look at that, Joe. Joe is never. We've never seen Fluffy the robot more more vibrant and beautiful and spot on than what Joe Motto did. So, thank you. Kudos to you, Joe, for doing that, bud. No problem. I mean, that really looks good. I didn't get to see it. I didn't know it came out that vibrant. Oh, I just got it the other day, and I actually just opened it up like maybe about an hour before the podcast. So. Oh, no shit. Nice. No yeah. shit. All right, that does look good. I'm always the yeah. person where I, like, anytime I get a new shirt, I have to wash it first before I wear it. I can't just take it out of the package and just put oh, it really? on. Well, no, I, I can't imagine anybody at T-Public's trying all my clothes and then putting it in yeah. the package. Well, I, no, 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 I'm not saying that. I'm saying, like, you know, the plastic smell where it's been encased uh, in there, you know? like just the, see, see, I like, like fresh clothes. Crispy uh, feeling of, like, a new shirt. Yeah, see, Rebecca gets yeah. you guys just weird. No, that. I mean that's a feeling I get when I go to Dollar Tree and I get that nice shirt. Joe likes wearing used clothes. <laughs> you get some good stuff. I like, like the I smell said. of other people in my clothes. <laughs> yeah. No, this this one's a little crunchy. Oh, I like this guy it. ate a lot of beanie weenies. Mm, boy. <laughs> well, Zentron has a question for Aiden. Uh, will the Shira mini books be on the website, or do you need me to do new scans of them? I, is that something you guys know, or you know what he's talking about? I think I have scans of all the Shira mini books. Um, uh, one of the fans provided me with them when when I wrote the bios on them for the um, for the Master's Character Guide supplement. So I, I think I've got the scans of all of those. Um, what are the mini books? Is he talking about the Ladybird ones or something else? No, the uh, books, I think. I, I, th I think he means the World books, um, but basically, London Editions publish. Oh, I have those. Yeah, of the Masters comics, they they were a subsidiary of um, of World. Oh, of that made me sound like an asshole. Yeah, I got them. But no, 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 no. It was more of a just. Oh, what are those? Oh, yeah, I got those. Well, I never heard of them referred to as how he said mini books. I, I'm thinking of. I mean, it's like the. Are we talking about like the annuals, the big UK well, annuals? The, the, the annuals were published by the same by World because um, World published the Masters annuals. That because London Editions was a sub subsidiary of World, they, they were their office was in the same building as World, and they shared a lot of staff, which is why a lot of staff from the UK comics also worked on the annuals. Because um, uh, I mean, um, the whole of the 1989 annual was written by James Hill, who was one of the main UK comics writers, uh, and some of the illustrations were directly traced from um, from images in the UK comics. Um, 
and and the these Shira books, the World Mini books, that they, they were published. Uh, uh, they were published by World as well, but they were they were tiny, uh, just small, small miniature books. And some of the some of these were written by by Brian Clark. Um, and I, and the question the question was was I going to feature them on the site? At the moment, the site is exclusively dedicated to the comics, um, but I would not rule out that. There may come a point that I might, uh, I might feature other UK media like, um, like like the World Annuals or um, or the mini books for Shira because after all they did share staff with um, with the UK comics so I wouldn't rule it out that for the time being uh, the focus will stay mainly on the comics and I do apologise for the lack of activity on the site lately I've had to it's had to go on the back burner for the time being because I've been extremely busy all this year with uh with the pr campaign for my band's album which was finally released on friday um and so that's meant the you PR... got an album you got an album dropping my, my band uh, just just re- released our album just the other day um Let's check that out. okay so um i'll I give give you the um you're singing you're doing instruments yeah yeah he sings and uh plays guitar sir uh, I'm I'm the singer songwriter guitarist yeah, um, uh, yeah the the band name is Weimar W E I M A R like the Weimar Republic in Germany, um, yeah so we our album just came out um, digital copies released through German Shepherd Records, um, but if if anyone if anyone fancies giving it a listen i can give it yeah give it you get yeah, those yeah, links yeah, yeah, yeah give me the link i'll put it in the description i was gonna ask Cheers, like, yeah what what um what influences what other band influences kind of influence your style of of music loads um yeah we've um we, we take our influence from a lot of 70s uh, art rock and stuff like the velvet underground um nice. i like the velvet underground nice uh the stooges um a bit of Zappa, Beefheart, and so on. There's there's a lot of prog influences. We're influenced by stuff like Pink Floyd. Um, mm. uh, our bassist John is very influenced by um, by the '70s No Wave and New York uh, art movements. And um, I, and I, I take a, a lot of interest, a lot of influence from uh, uh, a, a, some traditional European music and some French chansons, stuff like Jacques Brel. Um, Edith Piaf, as well as uh, as well as eight eighties new romantic post punk uh, stuff like Soft Cell, uh, the Sound, the Bolshoi, the Cure. Uh, so, well, wide spectrum of, of influences in there. Uh, I, I I wasn't intending to plug it on this show unless no, you go for fine. it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, the the album's called Dancing on a Volcano. We released it on Friday. Um, Digital versions released on German Shepherd Records. Uh, you can download it from um, download it from uh, the Bandcamp, which is weimarband.bandcamp.com. But uh, you, That's great, you'll man. put the link in in the description. And CD copies um, can be ordered from our, our website. We do ship to the states if anyone orders them. Um, so, like I said, I've been just been really caught up with the PR campaign because uh, we've got. 
international PR campaign on the on the go, get as many reviews, wow. uh, awesome. radio radio stations worldwide to pick it up as possible, um, and then uh, uh, when when things die down on the PR front, then I'll hopefully get back to the uh, UK comics website. But the band is like the main priority at the moment. Oh, definitely do your thing. Yeah. How Jesus. how long has the band been together? We um. We started jamming together in uh, in 2016, so six years ago. Um, we, we kind of formed from the ashes of my old band. Uh, I was in a band called The Bacillus, uh, B-I-C-I-L-L-U-S. We were more of a kind of raw post-punk band in the, in the late noughties um, when, when The Bacillus uh, split. Uh, I, I was... I began to jam, just exper- do experimental jams with Johan Kloos, who was the original guitarist in Weimar. Um, so we we started to jam together and, and we put together an experimental instrumental trio called the Bus Pass. We played a, played a few uh, experimental gigs around Manchester. And then when we felt we wanted to... Um, Form more concrete songs from the jams. We uh, uh, sat down together and started putting together some actual songs. And then uh, John Armstrong, uh, our bassist, he's been um, he's been playing with the Manchester band, The Speed of Sound, for more than thirty years now. Um, so he joined us on bass, uh, and the band started to take shape. And that's when we chose the name Weimar um, because we we felt our artistic outlook kind of matched that of the um, the Weimar Republic in the 1920s in Germany, which saw, I mean, the Weimar Republic is notorious for its decadence and art movements uh, like the Bauhaus, Dada, the cabaret movements. And we just felt our sort of aesthetic and outlook um, matched uh, that of the Weimar Republic. So it seemed like the perfect name for us. Um, then Eddie, the drummer, came on board we became a full band and we started to gig more regularly in uh, in 2017 so just went from there really and then we began recording hell yeah that's awesome awesome i like how joe was like you got an album dropping <laughs> oh well i don't know i might have missed that i apologize Mentioned I miss a lot of stuff online. No, I think it's just the, the the cadence that you had when you said it, it was almost like Aiden was like a rapper about to like just you know how rappers these days just randomly it'll be a Friday and they're just like here's a here's a new album out that's that's what it sounded no, like. No, it was just fascinating. It, it was funny. Delicious. I I I was a rapper in the early nineties. Oh, you were? Uh, yeah, my my first ever band when when I was nine. I had a band in primary school called the Funky Five. We were a rap band. <laughs> I, I, I can't say any of that really, uh, really um, affects what Weimar do. It's probably <laughs> universal art. <laughs> maybe, maybe on the next the best, record best, you start to work some of that in. Experiment with all styles. So yeah. <laughs> all right, well, let me you should name can. this this rename this episode the Funky Five. The Funky Five. Yeah, I guess so. <laughs> Mass Universe Comic Issue 3 with the Funky Five. It's like, <laughs> hey, I like that. It's a different note. <laughs> Let's see what else. Uh, 
Oh, Grim had a question for me. He said, whose apartment did I break into? No, I'm just choosing this setting or setting for, for the summer. It, it's cooler. I won't sweat, and then I won't be as uncomfortable because when I get hot, I get irritable, and uh, this is good. It's nice and cool, and I feel comfortable. So didn't break into nowhere. Um, simple tricks and nonsense. Where can we see or read those comics? Uh, what's the web address? You used to be able to read them on hemans.org. They were all on hemans.org, but the .org has been down for some time now, and I don't know when it's coming back online. If when it does, um, I'm sure they'll have the um, full set of UK comics on there. But um, the main reason I've avoided uh, putting full scans of the issues on my site is because hemans.org had done it so I wanted to sort of concentrate on the reviews and um, obviously there'll be spoilers on, on my site, but I wanted to leave enough, um, leave the reader wanting more basically so they will go out and seek the comics. Um, if uh, hemand.org does not come back online anytime soon, I, I don't know, I'm, I wouldn't rule out, I may add full scans to, uh, to the site. Uh, I, there may be another site somewhere that has scans of all of them, but if, if there is, I, I don't, no um for sure right now um so in, in the meantime um if if you if you want scans uh, just try and dm me mess, message me privately somewhere and i'll try and hook you up with any any issues you want okay all right and of course they can find find you as simply as just aiden cross right there on facebook yeah okay all right oliver belmont um <laughs> yeah i had a feeling this would come up do you feel that Mattel should get rid of their bad practice of producing low volumes of in-demand fi Origins figures as the figure Wondar sold out in less than five minutes? Yeah, he sold out, I think, in less than two. And then it came back on later where they said, oh, you can order, and people got orders in. And then an hour later, they all got an email saying, sorry, your order's been canceled, and people lost their shit. And I'm assuming it's just going to lead up to what happened when they had classics, when everything sold out in minutes. Then they're like, hey, there's a subscription plan. And that means you'll probably get some shitty figures you don't want, but that's the only way you can get good figures. So I have no clue what they're going to do, but <coughs> that was really fucking I mean, why was there such a, a clamor for one dollar? Out of all characters, I wondered the same Come thing. On. No pun intended, but I was like, really? This insanity for this character? And, well, it fucking happened. And maybe get rid of the goddamn limit of three, too. That limit to three? How about just limit of one? It still don't fucking matter. All the bots will come in and all the scalpers and bullshit. And, all right. Um, or just make it, a, make it a one-day uh, pre-order like thing. Mondo. Like, that, like yeah. Mondo did with that, that He-Man. I, I even mentioned that. I said the same thing. It's like, look what Mondo did. They gave a one-day window and guaranteed they sold a shit ton of those fucking And That's well worth it. It's like, you could have did that with Wondar. Why don't you just try that instead? But eh, uh, what are we it, fucking I'd be know? curious to see exactly how many units they did sell. I, I bet you it was a fuck ton. I could guarantee that. That's great. So good on Mondo. Yeah, who here um, in the chat has ordered one? I know me and Nathan got one. Yeah. So I bet you this start popping up. I bet you a lot. I bet a lot did, Rebecca. We're yeah, gonna find out. It was great to just see the uh, getting that email. So I'm like, oh yeah, there's two hundred sixty dollars just gone. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I paid right up front too. I don't yeah, do that. Yeah. Well, the the plans. payment plan thing that they put in, I think, would have worked better if. It wouldn't have been because the way that it was set up. 65 for four months, was it? No, it was now? less than that. So it's like you pay the 65 after two weeks and then you pay another 65 four weeks in and then another 65 six weeks in. So basically, 
month and a half, you're done. I'm like, I for some people, I, I feel like that it should have been laid out a little bit better than that. I think spread it out a little more. Yeah, but either way, you, yeah, you may as well just pay up front if it's the the payments are that close together. You know, I could still help some people, but I know what you mean. If it's spread out well, a little bit more. Well, Joe, but... go ahead and tell everybody your plan for it. <laughs> All right, Fatmon had a question. Um, do you? Well, have I, well, it, it, He's well, waiting for someone to send him a free one. Well, yeah, you know, I, yeah. There, there's there's that. Go ahead, Nathan. Say but, my plan. Well, of... Joe was like, "Well, I'm gonna, I'll just." I'll wait a year and then I'll I'll go on eBay. I'm like Joe. In a year on eBay, this thing's probably gonna be like six hundred dollars. It's a, I'm not it's a that dumb bright. plan. All right, all right. Piss off. Fedmon had a question. Do you have favorite one of the competition picks from the UK, Matt? So, single yeah. favorite one. How would I pick a favorite? Um, I mean, I'm, I'm quite partial to that one that I showed you earlier, the one with Jitsu and Too Bad and so on, purely because that was the first one I saw. So uh, that image kind of uh, captured my imagination as a kid. But, uh, I mean, there are, there are some good ones. Um, Is there one in every issue, by chance? Yeah, well, nearly every issue. And then, oh, uh, then in some of the later issues, they... Um, it got to the point where the competition would not necessarily be a master's one. So sometimes they had it for brave star figures instead or muscle or something. But uh, for, of the master's ones, I, I mean, there were some good ones. There's the one with, um, I think, Thunder Punch, He-Man trapped in the slime pit and and Fisto coming to re rescue him. That's that's quite a good one. And, um, and one with... Uh, one with the snake men, like you've got the five original snake men, King Hiss, Ratlaw, Tongue Lasher, Cobra Khan, um, all together. That, that's And those are all pretty much, those are all original pieces of art exclusive for those magazines, correct? I, I, I'm not entirely certain who did them, but I, I, I will try and find out. I'll see if Brian knows, or I don't know. I don't know if someone affiliated with, um, with the Spanish artists did them, or if, um, or if they were done by Mattel, so that that that'll be my mission to find out. I think. Okay. All right. Well, I think that might be the end of the chat questions. So I don't know if any of you have any final questions you want to give to Aiden before we wrap it up. And then, of course, Aiden, you can again plug all your stuff just for those who might have missed something or any of your other pages. But. <laughs> nothing nothing from nathan nothing from uh, well, nothing. you've oh. already oh. asked me twice man it's time for somebody yeah. else to step up all right <laughs> oh, that's why i mentioned all three but but if you guys I mean, I'm, I'm glad glad you're doing the these podcasts for the uk comics because they kind of fill in the the gap um while the while the site is quiet they I mean there's new material um sort of in, in a sense on on the uk we we keep the um we keep discussion alive on the UK comics, so definitely I mean, glad that you're having these. It's nice. I'm to, sorry I couldn't join that. you in the chat for the Shira one last week. Uh, uh, you you made some observations about that one that even I missed in my review for that issue. I I had not made the connection between that dragon in that last story and mm -hmm. sorrowful sorrowful the dragon from the series. As far as I know, it, it's just coincidence. I think. The trope of the uh, the sad magic dragon is kind of common to fantasy fiction because uh, I know Brian Clark didn't used to watch the cartoon all that much because he didn't want uh, he didn't want to be too heavily influenced by it. He wanted his 
version of Masters and Shira to be very much his vision of it rather than affected by any other medium. So as far as I know, he was not familiar with the character of Sorrowful, but okay. I, I will ask him so he can put me right if, if I've got that one wrong. Yeah, it's like it's been years since I've seen Pete's Dragon. Like, I couldn't even remember. I was like, how was Pete's Dragon? Was he silly, goofy, or I? any of you guys see that? Because I can't remember he, that. He wasn't sad. He was just kind of goofy. Just goofy? Oh. Yeah. All right. I was just seeing if, like, it No, I used to love that truck. movie when I was a kid. I, it wasn't wasn't sad i haven't yeah it's been a long i haven't seen that since i was a kid fuck off nathan don't say it but um yeah it's been a long <laughs> t- whatever it's been a while but all right well uh, wait, let me see uh Bedmon, is is there a way we can get dark horse to hear our want for a uk mag collection I, I they, they are really... aware that they have they have definitely heard it uh they've had fans email them about it and uh uh I know Val's talked about it with them, uh, and they they know about my site, and they know there is fan demand for it. So it's an idea that has been talked about. It's just one that is yet to be greenlit. So we can just keep our fingers crossed, hold out hope that because uh, if I know that if they did publish it, I know that Brian, James, uh, Tom Sweetman, Mike Wilde, uh, Pat Kelleher, all the other writers, I know they would jump to. Uh, get on board with it uh we could have full interviews with them in the books and everything so i'd love for it to become a reality just yeah because i was wondering if it's something that you could you know like you said if there's still a way of keeping in touch with dark horse or like you know if the fans could message or i mean even I, I, like... I would encourage fans to email them uh i mean uh, there's there's a page on on my site for dark horse and i i say on there I, I get i give a link to their website just say email them and tell them you want to see a UK comics collection published by, by Dark Horse. So, yeah, do it. There is, there is hope, yeah. Okay. All right, good. I mean, because it seemed like hope was lost with pretty much a lot of this stuff when we were even wanting golden books, you know, the golden stuff, all those put into volumes. And I was like, I don't know if that's something that would be heard, but it seems like they all sell so well. It's like, why wouldn't they? Well, I mean, the German them? ones too. I, 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 believe that there, I believe that actually has been a collection of the German comics in – in Germany, and I, I need to find out okay. more about. I think I, I've, I've been told there is. Um, I don't know if it's of the Interpart Condor comics or of the A Harper ones or both. Um, but there's definitely been a, a, a German like compendium of them. So I'll I will chase that one up more because I I do want to see them translated and made accessible to international readers. Uh, because especially since the um, the UK comics, although they started reprinting the German A. Harper from issue 50 onwards, uh, they didn't just translate them directly from the German. Um, the writers weren't, they didn't even know what the German text said. Cause, yeah, because wasn't there some differences in some of those stories? I thought I remember reading it somewhere where... Uh, well, Brian and the other writers, they, they were sent the... A Harper comics with the the the, te- the the speech balloons were just whited out, so they didn't even they didn't even know what the German text said. So they had to basically work out what was going on, and this wound up with them. They would rewrite the stories rather than um, rather than translate them uh, because they they'd make up their own story around around the images in the comics. Um, 
and that is why a lot of the UK reprints of the German A. Harper comics are completely different. Um, the story is actually changed. Um, there's one particularly big difference where um, it's in one, one of the later issues of, of the fortnightly UK comic. There's uh, a story um, called about the contest of champions, which is supposedly... Um, the warriors battling against one another to rule Eternia. In the original German version, the contest is being held to determine who will become emperor of another planet in Eternia's galaxy, of which the ruler has just died or something. And the there's a character seen in the UK comics, like a kid who's just seen in in the background of a few panels, and then in one panel he speaks. He says, where is He-Man? Why won't he come to fight for us? And as far as we UK readers were concerned, he's just some generic kid in the background. In the German comics, he's actually the focus. He's he is the prince of this other planet in Eternia's galaxy. Huh. Um, and... This was lost on the UK's writers because they didn't have the direct um, German text to translate from. So they had no idea this kid was anything significant, which is why he's just treated as a generic background character in it. I wonder if there'd ever be a thought of them even taken and now translating it properly so we could understand, like give it, you know, so we My intention be- has been to do that. I mean, uh, I mean, God knows when I'll get round to reviewing issue 50 and onwards on the site because uh, it's taken me five years to do the first 23 issues um probably start moving a bit faster with the masters comics when i've got all the she-ra comics reviewed uh so who knows but um uh obviously when it comes to issue 50 um i'd have to approach them in quite a different way from the way i do the reviews of the uk originals uh and i i have been entertaining the idea of of um, publishing on the site the original German text uh, with English translations directly from the German. I mean, I do speak a bit of basic German, but probably not enough to translate them accurately. But I'd, I'd be able to work it work out um, proper translations of the German text and put them next to. The UK's version. So that would be cool to see. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's that's always been my intention of what I'll do when I get round to reviewing the a Harper reprints because I can't really treat them the same way I do the UK originals because they're not entirely original and a lot of fans of the UK comics don't necessarily consider the German reprints to be canon. But um, so I, I would probably approach them a bit differently, and I have been thinking compare and contrast the um the german originals next to the uk reprints right i was gonna say there's one final question here it's from fedmon and it's uh yeah something we were thinking last week he said do you know what she was supposed to say in that last word bubble in her first issue the one that was left blank i don't um i mentioned that on on the website when i reviewed that issue and uh i i don't believe brian could remember what he wrote for that text um uh, but uh, I know he, he he went through my review before I published it. So if if he'd remembered, he'd have um, 
he'd have said then. But uh, I, I can ask, I can ask him and uh, try and jog his memory just in case. But I, I think um, whatever she was saying, I think that's lost to history. <laughs> it's weird. It was just weird to see it, especially for you know an issue one. It's like, whoa, 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 yeah, what right there. Uh, I mean, I mean, occasionally things were wiped out for a reason, and I, I assume that was just uh, that was just a mistake that went overlooked. Um, but I, I will, I will ask Brian about it. All right. Well, Aiden, it's been great having you on. And before we wrap it up, again, you can plug any of the places people can find you and what you got going on before we wrap it up. Yeah. Well. Uh, well. Thanks for inviting me on the show, and I hope I hope I can come back on sometime. Um, uh, if you if you want if you want to know about the Masters UK comics, then the place to go is um, the Master of the Universe UK comics fan site, which is motuukcomics.co.uk. Um, might be a while before the next review is posted, but there's so much on there that there's plenty for you to plenty for you to browse on there. Um, uh, I, I will see about. Um, the, the possibility of putting full scans of the issues online. But for the meantime, if you want scans, DM me. You can email me through the site or uh, find me on Facebook, message me there. Um, if you haven't already, um, find the UK Comics Facebook page, which is, um, I think it's, um, I think the URL is MOTU UK Comics again. But again, if you just type in Master of the University UK Comics fan site, you'll um, you'll find it on there. All right, perfect. Well, thanks again for popping up. It was great having you. And on. if you do want me to plug my bands again, do uh, it. Go I, ahead, plug do it. it. Plug it. <laughs> our, our website is um, weimarbanduk.com. That's W-E-I-M-A-R. We pronounce it the German way, Weimar. So that's weimarbanduk.com. And again, you can find find us on Facebook and. Or, mess, or message me and I'll, I'll link you to our music. Well, I'm glad you spelled that out because I know I would have been searching with a V. I've been like, I can't find this. I can't find well, it. I mean, uh, the, pr the problem with choosing names like that is people will always mispronounce it. We've had radio DJs pronounce it all sorts of bizarre Weimar ways. Weimart or someone probably with the W sound or what? Yeah, all, all the time. Or Weimar, Weimar. Um, <laughs> That's why I didn't say anything because I'm like, ah. Which, which is why our press releases, we always make sure we we spell it out like yeah. pronounced by Mar. It's like that thing you do with the wonders where they don't have the W oh, and yeah. people are like the O-Neaters. It's like, no, yep. the wonders. Yep. <sighs> I remember that movie. Yeah, that's a good movie. Never heard of it. All right, but it was great having you on. So if you are new to this channel, make sure you like, subscribe, share, and ring that bell so you can always be notified when we go live. And until next time, have a powerful day. Hey, Phil. If you're gonna spew, spew into this. I know this one. As Scrolloss would say, be brave, Scrolloss. <laughs> I don't know that quote though. Nathan, do you know this? I I don't want to say it because I think if this is what Tyler was telling me yesterday that he might do, I don't want to spoil it. Was is this the case, or am I, is, did you decide to go against that? Oh. Well, have confidence in, in, in what I told you. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I know. I don't. That's Brian's also what I'm not just saying. just messaged me. Um, Brian Clark has just messaged me, so he's been watching. Oh, right on. Oh. He, he's, oh. he's with us. Um, 
And he says, for the record, there was no censorship with that missing She-Ra dialogue, just something that was missed out somehow, some way. So that, oh, that's, that's kind that's of a cool. big... Breaking news. That's a big but, but thing. Brian though. is with us now, so, uh, <laughs> so hello, Brian. Hey, Ryan. I hope you enjoyed it. Try to keep the real... scroll lost with uh, us. Apologies for Joe Amato. No, yeah, I kept it good this episode. It's uh, always an innocent fun, yeah. but... um. <laughs> Hey, did did, did you get the quote, I, Joe? Oh, is this something that I should know? Oh, uh, let's just move on, guys. Probably. It's, it's Wayne's World. Yeah. Oh, see, Sorry. yeah. Eh, I've seen that one time. I'm a moron. All right. Okay. <laughs> Thanks for popping in. Hey, Brian, we'll have to have you on sometime if you can enjoy the insanity of me. <laughs> <laughs> see ya. 